Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's Zurich Classic. And it wouldn't be a team event if I didn't bring in my teammates. Let's start with Greg Ducharme. Greg, what up? First of all, Rick, happy to be on the team. Second of all, I want uh, I want our new intro to be your intro. I think next time, instead, of <laughs> J- Jacob should unmute your mic and let you just design our new jingle. The dirty little secret is, yeah, Jacob mutes my mic. Thank God when we uh, when we play that countdown there, because I'm usually saying stuff um, and singing. The, and the, singing. Today was the new rendition. I, I heard a great new intro that yeah. I think should be part of the show. I hope Jacob was recording on it. Well, hopefully he was not rounding out our team for today. It's Sia Najad. Sia, how's it going? Rick, how are you? A man of many talents. I I recently (laughs) learned about your singing voice. Uh, Thank you for that. Uh, Glad to be here uh, and glad we get a team event. I think this is pretty cool. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, there's going to be at the top here. We'll spend some time on this format because it is unique. It is going to play a little bit into the DraftKings, uh, not the scoring so much, but there is just a, a few differences that I'll want to talk through. But before we do that, I've got things to give away, including partnering up CBS sports and Westinghouse to give away two portable power stations. Those are super handy. I'm not even kidding. Super handy. Uh, two portable power stations over the next two, over the next month, just go to cbssportscom slash hole in one to enter. We'll put the link in the episode description. The contest ends on May 24th. And that is cbssportscom slash hole in one. No purchase is necessary. 18 plus only. And of course, you have to be in the United States. Sorry to everyone else out there. Okay. Zurich Classic. Gentlemen, this is the only official team event that we get on the PGA Tour calendar. And uh, here's how it's going to work. So for each round, they're going to be playing in a different format. There are 80 teams, which means there are 160 golfers. The first and third rounds are four ball. So Greg, that just means everybody plays their own ball and whatever score is best for your team is the score that you take. So for example, Greg and I are a team. Greg makes a birdie. I make a par. We are taking Greg's birdie. That that's all it means, Greg. Right. So um, th- you'll see this termed as four some and four ball. Now for some, there's a great way to remember this because it can it can get confusing. But once you know this, it's not confusing anymore. For some, you take you play some of the shots, oh. which is alternate shot for nice. ball. You play your own ball. So it's an easy way to delineate between them. And and the four ball is, of course, Rick, as you just mentioned, the better ball of two. A lot of people call that best ball. It's um, yes. best ball is the the proper term is when that's with a foursome. So it's the best ball of three or more. It's better ball when it's two or more. So, hey, a, a technicality, but something that uh, 
maybe you find valuable one day. I remember it like this four ball. Uh, there's four balls in play. Everyone's playing their own ball. And for some is the other one. That's how I remember. <laughs> okay, there you go. Well, now you know you play it some of the time. You play your ball some of the time. All right, so that other part of the time, so that's that's rounds two and four are going to be foursomes. That's the alternate shot. So, see the way this works is exactly what it sounds like, but uh, each golfer is going to tee off on half the holes, either the evens or the odds, and then the partners will alternate shots. So see if you tee off, I'll be hitting the second shot. You'll hit the third. I'll hit the fourth until we have a score for our hole. Obviously better scoring likely to come in the four ball stage, the best ball stage, as opposed to the alternate shot. And uh, both are very important. Both are very important. And it, it, it's the reason why you can't lean on you know one of two golfers in this event. Obviously, both golfers are going to be put to the test, mostly on, frankly, Friday and Sunday. And it's why there's certain teams that are really interesting, like a Colin Morikawa and a Matthew Wolf. You know, do you think Matthew Wolf's going to come around? Because if you don't, then that's potentially a problematic team to pick. And there's obviously plenty of teams like that. That just happens to be the first example as we scan the team. So it's really strategy is really interesting here because you can play it from a lot of different angles. Um, so I'm, I'm actually curious to see how you guys are going to play it because I have my own sort of fit here. <laughs> I mentioned 80 teams of two. The top 35 and ties will be making the cut and playing on the weekend. And Greg, if this wasn't confusing enough, this event hasn't always been a team event. We've only had three years of this. 2017 was the first year that we went to team play and we did not have this event in 2020. So this is the first time we've seen it since John Rahm and Ryan Palmer took it down in 2019 team. There's a couple of things. When this first started, I wasn't overly excited about it. And this, I come from a place where I love the 72 hole stroke play. I've always believed that 72 hole stroke play gives you the best finish on Sunday, which is why the PGA championship went from match play to stroke play. It just, it creates the most drama and it's the most intrigue. And I've never been a big believer in different is we, we need different because I'm such a fan of 72 old stroke play. That being said, this event has kind of piqued my interest in a different way. It's, it's not a major championship. It's not a world golf championship. We know that, but at the same time, there are some very interesting teams in this and it's exciting. I I think this show is a big factor. I look at this leaderboard. I I look at this board, um, the the field list and who the teams are, and I get really excited about it. Um, which is a, which is a nice change of pace. It was kind of one of, I wasn't overly excited about at the, um, you know, a couple of years ago when they instituted it, but I think it's turned out to be a pleasant surprise. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to the event this week. Yeah. We spent like 15 minutes on Sunday night, just going through the teams because it was fun. Right. It was like, how are these guys even playing together? It's fun. It is fun. The if you like scoring, you're going to like this a lot because the last three winning scores have been 26 under 22 under and 27 under par guys are going to go low. They're going to go low during that uh, that best ball format, that four ball format. And they actually made what I thought was an interesting little uh, transition. I think two years ago, you used to end on four ball. And now the final round is alternate shot, which Sia, that's kind of what you are alluding to where there's going to be some nervous shots in alternate shot. And there's going to be some opportunities where your playing partner puts you into a weird spot or like it's, it, I like that on Sunday as a hair more drama instead of each guy playing their own ball and trying to shoot a 59. 
Oh, I love it. In fact, the, the way they started this was, was so obviously like a poor decision because you're right. I mean, let's just go back to the Colin Matthew Wolf thing. You know, if Matthew Wolf puts Colin in a, in a tough spot and, and it's them and, you know, Danny Willett and Terrell Hatton, for example, like it, it really brings the drama alive when it's like, well, we can't just choose here. It, 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 Matthew, th- this is your shot here. So I think uh, I think Sunday is going to be really, really interesting. And by the way, I think the team event, I think people are underplaying the, the team aspect. And that's kind of what we're talking about. But there's so much drama when you have a, quote, team event and you have one guy leaning on another guy or, or multiple guys. And we see that, of course, in the Ryder Cup and events like that. But I just think the drama with two guys instead of one having pressure is going to be so much more, quote, dramatic than it would be on a, just a one-on-one day. Yeah, you really got to earn it on that Sunday for sure. Now, the way this is going to work for DFS, specifically for DraftKings, generally the same. You're still going to pick six golfers to stay inside your $50,000 salary cap. You are still going to earn points based on birdies and you know streaks and things like that. The only caveat here, Greg, is that DraftKings is not going to allow you to choose two golfers from the same team and that every each each partner is the same price. So when we look at Xander Shoffley and Patrick Cantlay, they're both $11,700. You can only choose one of them, but it doesn't matter which one you choose because both golfers are going to get the same number of fantasy points no matter what they do. So there's really no difference in this situation between choosing Xander over Cantlay or Cantlay over Xander. If you have one, you have them both. Right. So there's no advantage. There's my understanding is they basically don't need to have both. They, they could get away with the Shoffley can't lay team, but this gives them an opportunity to put both players headshots in there. It probably creates a little more space for them. When you click on things like the game log or latest news, you can get individual news. And that's the only reason as I kind of sifted through this, that's the only reason I could see why they would put both on the board. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, so it's pretty cool. You're basically just choosing teams and I think it's a really good way of doing it. And see, I imagine it was a lot easier for DraftKings to institute a rule that says you can't pick two of these guys. You can't pick two guys from the same team instead of instituting some new software where you're going to score the players differently and try to do it in match. I mean, basically everything is the same other than you can't pick two guys from the same team. Yeah, it would be any alternative would be kind of impossible, especially when you're talking about alternate shot. I mean, does one yeah. guy get credit for for two of the four <laughs> shots made on a par five? It doesn't really make sense. So um, they, they really did it right. And I agree with Greg, you know, at first blush, I'm like, well, why do you have both of those guys? Why don't you just have a team? And maybe there's on the front end or the back end, there, there's something um, technologically that that's an issue there. But more importantly for me as the consumer, I want to click on those game logs sometimes. And if, and if it's just two guys in one little slot, I, I'm not really going to be able to do that or there's going to be a tricky way to do that so i actually really love the way they did it all right let's jump into this so the pricing is a little bit different and what you're going to hear me reference a lot throughout this is team combined averages so what i've done on my site rickrungood.com is i've basically combined both players into one team so you're going to hear me quote uh birdie or better percentages or strokes gain that's going to be for the combination of each team. It actually does create some interesting dynamics. And gentlemen, uh, we have a big 11K range. Let's just start there. So Xander Shoffley and Patrick Cantlay, they are the most expensive in the DraftKings player pool. They're 11,700. Our defending champions, John Rahm and Ryan Palmer at 11.5. Colin Morikawa and Matthew Wolf may be the most interesting team at the top, 11,003. And then the Aussies, 
Cameron Smith and Mark Leishman are $11,100. Greg, let's just start with these 11K guys. I think there are question marks with Xander and Cantlay. I think there are question marks with Morikawa and Wolf. I mean, what, what are we doing here in the upper, upper tier? So um, I agree with you where there are questions. I, I think there's a couple really interesting teams in here. By that, I mean all of them, I think, are quite interesting. <laughs> so I guess I'll start with the the first thing that come, came to my mind, and we were talking about it a little bit earlier. So I'll start with uh, Morikawa and Wolf. Yeah. Um, now, Matthew Wolf is a very, we know what Morikawa is, right? We know, we know how good he is Tita Green. We know how steady he is Tita Green. And you can think about that and say, that's a great combination. If, if you have Matthew Wolf who struggles to get the ball in play. And I find this interesting too. Matthew Wolf is too, he, he is like, what is he? Sixth in driving distance, but at the same time, he's 201st in strokes gain off the tee. And he's 204th in driving accuracy, which tells me that he's missing big off the tee. Because there are a lot of guys that hit around 50% of their fairways, but Will Zalatoris being one, yet they gain, they have very, very, very solid strokes gain off the tee rankings. So what is, that means that he's missing big. And the combination in a team event, Phil Mickelson is a guy who, who misses big off the tee, but he is a great teammate because his short game is so good. So mm-hmm. for instance... If he hits a tee shot into the woods and and Keegan Bradley punches out to the fairway, just to name an example, well, now you have, if you're Keegan, you've left the best wedge player, arguably, you know, a top five wedge player of all time. You've left him with a wedge. So Phil, although he makes a mistake, can save the mistake. Where Matthew Wolf, his weakness is not only driving accuracy, but around the green. He's also outside the top 200 strokes mm-hmm. gain around the green. So he struggles in those two areas combined. And that makes it, I think that puts a lot of pressure on Morikawa. Um, the good thing is Wolf's a good putter. And I think he, I, I do expect a little spark from him because he's a team. He, it's a team thing. And I, I think you'll see a little pressure relieved from Wolf and he'll be loose and let it fly. So I think it could work. But that being said, I think the team that I'm left with here, who I feel the most confident about is Ryan Palmer and, and John Rahm. Yeah, let's 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 start there because I think they are very clearly the best team. And Ryan Palmer is uh, he has made more money at this event, Sia, than any other player since it went to the team format. And the reason for that is not only did he win with John Rahm, but he also finished fourth year with Jordan Spieth. That happened in 2017. And let me illustrate something for you, Sia, because this is what I think the biggest thing is. So in 2017, Ryan Palmer was basically an average player on the PGA Tour. He gained zero point zero six strokes that year. He was almost dead average. Okay. Finishes fourth with Jordan Spieth that year, 2019, a lot better, a big improvement wins it with John Rahm. He gained about a half a stroke per round that year. Well, look at 2021. He's gaining nearly a stroke per round. This is the best version of Ryan Palmer we've ever seen. He makes a ton of birdies. He's sixth on tour in birdie average. He makes a ton of Eagles. He hits a ton of greens like this. This guy to me is like the perfect partner in a team match. He never really gets you out of position and he can rack them up in a hurry. Listen, Rick, any, anytime you get an opportunity to have one of the best golfers in the world be your teammate, and, and, yeah. that, he, and that guy gets to play alongside John Rahm, 
Hopefully you caught up to that joke. Yeah. Ryan Palmer is always disrespected, but but now we get him in a mode where, you know, he's he's priced really high because he's with John Rahm. But but the, the story here is both of these guys are as close to a lock if you can afford them in your lineup as you can get. Because when you look at the rest of the 11K range and even the 10K range, I mean, I think almost every team pales. I mean, there's some upside here. Like I like Cam Smith and Mark Leishman. I think they're going to play really yeah. well together. That's probably my second favorite team in this range. But John Rahm and Ryan Palmer. I mean, I, I just I don't know how you stray away from this. And, and to your point, I mean, yeah, that almost gaining a stroke versus 2017 is, is pretty <laughs> staggering there. With these with these two birdie makers together, I I agree. I mean, John Rahm is having his best year with irons that he's ever had on the PGA Tour, at least from what I saw. And I think Tita Green is the same. And it's another great year off the tee, which he's had a great year off the tee every single year on tour. So yeah, as you can see there, this is a great year for him, yep. uh, Tita Green, and it is his. Yeah, it's tied tied for his best, basically tied for his best and definitely his best approaching the green. So yeah. that's a great thing. But at the same time, it's it's not the year that he had in the previous two years with the putter. And I think that gets relieved at this golf course as well a little bit. Rick, I was reading an old article you wrote about this, um, about this golf course, how the oh greens boy. were a little, yeah, it was from way back. <laughs> you, you can't hide. It was from 2016. Oh boy. That's a scary place. Um, but it was saying that, hey, the greens are are pretty easy. They're not very undulating. It's pretty flat. You think about where New Orleans is, you're you're yeah. under sea level. You're not going to get drastic elevation change, which you know how much I like elevation change. So flatter greens, I think that benefits guys who aren't putting as well. And that fits John Rahm. Yeah, I think that's right. I think they're very clearly the top team here. You know, although see, I will say this, you know, really any metric you want to run uh, loves Xander and Cantlay. So let me illustrate this for you. So I've got, I've got these guys loaded in for, you know, however many rounds that we want. And if we sort every team by their average strokes gain total, let's start at 50 rounds. Well, in the last 50 rounds, Xander and Cantlay, they're number one. Okay. Let's go more recent 40 rounds. Xander Cantlay, number one, let's go to 30 rounds. Okay. Xander Cantlay. Number one, 20 rounds, Xander Cantlay, number one. How about even closer? 10 rounds, Xander Cantlay, number three. So basically, however you want to slice this, and I know we have come on here for two straight weeks and we've talked about Patrick Cantlay and his struggles. So now I ask you, what what do we do now? We've got Xander and Cantlay. They're 11,700. The models are going to continue to love them for a long time. What do we do this week? So you can only afford one team in this range, and, and that's barely like it's really hard to make teams this week. And uh, as you guys know, I've, I've done a few, and it's it's really really difficult to even have one of these teams at the top the way the pricing is. But with that said, I mean you're right about you know, the last fifty rounds, the last forty rounds, the last thirty rounds, and all of that. But also, if you were to factor in recent play on both people's part on each team, and the fact that John Rahm and Ryan Palmer are defending champions 2019 because we didn't have this in 2020 i mean and by the way they're, they're the number two in total strokes gained here so they're right behind xander so it's it's a matter of very minute differences at the end of the day I, i'm gonna go ahead and lean on the recent form for both john rom and ryan palmer versus specifically patrick cantlay and that's why i'm going to give them the edge okay fair enough um let's before we move on to the 10k range greg we'll give you last last word on smith and leishman i think these are two aussies uh well i know they're two aussies i think they are guys that uh you know cam smith played well enough at the president's cup that was the first time he kind of got exposure to this type of format leishman has been doing it forever i think they're going to be solid i think they're fairly priced i don't i'm like a five out of ten i'm like right i'm right about average on how i feel about these guys yeah the biggest thing here is what sia talked about how you can't 
afford both. You can't afford multiple guys in this range. And I love this team because they, you had Leishman put up a good, uh, a really nice tournament at masters and you have Cam Smith who's been playing. He's just been on a heater yeah. um, for quite some time now. They're just, they're not the ball strikers that Rom and Palmer are, or, or even uh, Xander and Cantlay. They, they don't have that T to green ability. And I, I think that's important in a week like this, um, especially you get into some alternate shot. Mark Leishman does not hit a lot of fairways. He didn't hit a lot of fairways at Augusta. He was near the bottom of the field. We remember when he won at the Farmers Insurance Open. Uh, I think that was what two years in in uh, 2019, maybe in 2020. Anyway, he had three fairways yeah. in the final round and and was able to win. So he's a, so that's a team of scramblers, which could be good. Does it make it hard for them? Harder, less likely for them to go low? I don't think it rules out the possibility, but. Um, but it doesn't feel as comfortable to me as Rahm and Palmer. The 10K range, Bubba Watson and Scotty Scheffler are $10,900. Tony Finau and Cameron Champ, that is a bomber group, $10,700. Billy Horschel, the only man to win this event twice, once as an individual, once as a team member, is paired with Sam Burns. He's $10,500. Danny Willett, Terrell Hatton, 10-3. Chris Kirk, Brendan Todd, $10,100. Sia, where are you headed here in the 10K range? Uh, I'm headed to guys that I lean on quite a bit. Uh, they're kind of boring, but boring gets it done in some tournaments, including last week and potentially this week. Uh, Chris Kirk and Brendan Todd. Uh, okay. First of all, you're getting a discount to the extent they're at the low end of the 10K range. And we know Chris Kirk has been very, very good lately. We know he's good on Pete Dye courses. Uh, I just think that these guys uh, are going to be reliable. They're definitely going to make the cut. And Chris Kirk, uh, he's been making top 25s at a pretty staggering rate and Brandon Todd's game has been a little up and down but he played well enough last week uh, to be worth rostering and uh, I think he's going to be I think he's going to be a fine partner to Chris Kirk I want to get your opinion on this Greg because I also like this team quite a bit now they are like if you could mold these guys into one physical golfer they'd be really great right so I've got I've now broken this out here on the cheat sheet where I've got individual golfers here Chris Kirk's strength is his ball striking uh, and he's even pretty good around the greens and his one weakness he's not terrible at it, but he is weakest with the putter. Well, Brendan Todd's best asset is his putter. And then he's great or decent around the greens and he struggles off the tee. He struggles on approach. And I'm wondering if it is a valid strategy to try to find guys that could mold into one great player, or if we would prefer them to both be, I don't know, okay or solid in in three categories or something like that i think i think you got to take it a little bit deeper than just simply the strokes gain metric in this case i (laughs) i made (laughs) i know i know (laughs) Uh, but here's the deal we discussed um the matthew wolf kind of fingerprint and how that will have an effect on colin morikawa in this case brendan todd's weakness of of strokes gain off the tee comes from just from distance right he's extremely accurate so he's not going to put chris kirk in uh in really problematic situations and at the same time brendan todd is fairly accurate with irons so i think there's a there's a um, a solid that, that makes sense. I don't worry about him hurting his partner. What I worry about is, are they going to have the firepower? Are they going to be able to make the birdies to get to that 22, 26 under number? So that's one thing I worry about. The other thing I worry about, and as I looked at this team, we talked about it last night. I love this team. I really yeah. do. I don't like the 
I don't like the price very much. And I feel like that price is kind of, I'd be, I'd be interested to see what Sia thinks about this. It's almost no man's land in that if you're going to roster someone in the 11 K range, I don't think you can really roster a guy in the 10 K range and at least feel comfortable. I mean, you're really throwing darts at the bottom if you do that. So now when I look at the 10 K range, I am, I'm almost looking at that as a place where you're going to, if you're in this range, you're likely starting your roster here, not you're, you're passing on Rom and Palmer. You're passing on the 11 K guys. So I, I don't think that's a team that I'd want to start with. It'd be a great secondary team. And if they were a little bit cheaper, I'd be all over them. But that's my, that, that ultimately price is my biggest concern with them. Yeah. And by the way, I, I agree. I mean, you can't, you can't really do 11K and then 10K and then really do anything other than dip into the very low and, and mid 6K range. So, you know, one of my teams had had John Rahm and Ryan Palmer, and then I immediately went down to the 8K range and still I was almost out of money. I, I would go a mm. couple low 7,200 guys or 7K guys and then, you know, dip maybe high in the 6K range. It's, it's really problematic. So it's a really good point. If you want to start your team there, that's one thing, but you're going to have a real problem having a guy like, um, you know, having guys like John Rahm and Ryan Palmer with Chris Kirk and Brendan Todd and getting anybody decent in the seven to eight K range. So would would either of you guys feel comfortable? Do you think the Bubba Watson, Scotty Scheffler team could be your, could fill your a spot? Could that be the the place where you start everything? with? Uh, I think that that team is, I think it's super interesting. I think they're one of the more volatile teams in this range. I think if they get going in the right direction, you know, we've seen Scotty Scheffler shoot a 59. We've seen Bubba Watson get hot at times. And when he's engaged, there's, there's few guys better, a few guys who can make as many birdies, which is really what a lot of this comes down to. But I also think this is a team that could go a bit sideways. So I think you're, I don't mind it. I don't mind starting my team there because I really like the upside that they have, but I think you have to understand they're a lot, they're probably a lot risky than maybe, I don't know, a Danny Willett, Terrell Hatton team, something like that. What do you think, Sia? Do you like the, do you, are you comfortable starting your team with a really aggressive team like that? Or would you go, would you go safer with, uh, you know, the Hatton team or, or maybe the, even the Todd team? No, I don't have a problem with that. I think you could even start with the Billy Horschel, Sam Burns team. I mean, if That's you're looking for upside, um, that, that, you know, Burns, I, I believe, is from the area. Um, and his games, I wouldn't say it's coming around, but it's better than it was a couple months ago. And Billy Horschel's obviously been in pretty good form, too. So and Billy Horschel, I mean, just narrative speaking, he's probably best suited for a team event or at least in the top five from a team event standpoint. That's just my opinion. So, yeah, I, I think it's OK to start in the 10K range with any of the teams we mentioned. Sam Burns, LSU kid. Sam Burns, Sam Burns, LSU kid. The other note I had about that is I tried to just look into a bit of, um, and I'm showing it now here, Sam, this is Sam Burns round by round. And I was just kind of looking into guys that can gain like four strokes in a round. Like I want upside and the team that had the most rounds of four plus strokes gained this season was the Horschel Burns team. I think Burns had like eight of them, which was tied for the most with Terrell Hatton and uh, Billy Horschel had the other four. So it makes for an interesting, because like, I mean, that's what you need. You need some, you need them to like, there have been 60 shot at this event, like a couple of them, each of the last two years, you're going to need to go low. Uh, I mentioned that Danny Willett, Terrell Hatton team, uh, Sia, and this one, this one kind of piques my interest. You know, we have seen Hatton play unbelievable rounds and then kind of mediocre rounds. They are one of the few teams up at the top that gain, you know, combined, they gain strokes in all four categories. I wonder if Willett can kind of put a plug in Hatton's sour rounds or sour holes and kind of keep them towards the top of the leaderboard. 
Yeah, I don't I don't love it. I just think Hatton, both Willett and Hatton have been so inconsistent and Willett, you know, good for him. He's really come around and he's really sort of reinvented himself the last you know six months or so. But I, th- there's enough teams in the 9K range that we'll talk about that I would just take over Hatton and Willett because I think those teams in the 9K range, A, they're they're cheaper, but also they're a little bit more reliable. Okay, let's go to the 9K range because I do find them pretty interesting. So I'll run through these quickly. Homa and Gooch, Hovland and Ventura, Grayson, Harold Varner III, Rose and Stenson, Louie and Charles, Keegan and Brendan Steele, Thomas Peters and Tom Lewis, Sung Jay and Benyon, and it rounds out with Joel Damon and Lonto Griffin. Greg, $9,000. Starting to get into some guys that... Uh, have bigger question marks. What are we doing here? This is, I think uh, it's a fascinating range. There's a lot of teams that I like here. There's a lot of teams I like one for one. I like the Homa and Gooch team. I think they've been playing some really, really solid golf. I could, I could see them feeding off of one another um, very easily. And they're kind of up and comers. They kind of are on a similar path in their career where they're having, um, they're having improved year. You could say Max Holmes year last year was his breakout year, but this is another one that I find to be kind of close to a breakout year. And I think it's definitely Taylor Gooch's best year on the PGA tour so far. So I love that team. The other team you talk about mixing and matching players is right yeah. below them. Hovland and Ventura. Those two guys, Christopher, Ven- Christa, um, yeah, Christopher Ventura is another Oklahoma state guy. So you have yep. that connection, which is nice. But he's, what, second on tour, strokes game putting, which is yeah. a weakness for Hovland. So you get, you combine Hovland's ball striking with a great putter like Ventura and, and you add the, the personal connection. And I think that could be a really interesting team. Sia, do you think guys are going to kind of play away from that team because of Ventura? Do you think, or do you think there's enough Hovland support out there to make that team popular? I think there's enough Hovland name recognition and enough conversation over the last year or so about Ventura's upside that I think te- I think people will be on them. The problem I have with it is Ventura's just been kind of bad lately. I mean, a lot of miscuts yeah. since finishing sixth way back at the Sanderson Farms. Uh, I guess that would be last October. I mean, he doesn't have a he doesn't have a single finish within the top 35 since that time. So yeah. that's like pretty concerning to me. As much as I like Hovland, I think I might have to pivot off those guys. But to, to your question, uh, I think they'll get some interest for sure. <laughs> Okay, see so in this 9K range, we've got uh, Justin Rose, Henrik Stenson, we've got Louis and Charles. Is there anybody else in here that would be part of your focus? Yeah, I mean, keeping with my team, boring Chris Kirk and Brandon Todd, Keegan Bradley and Brandon Steele. I mean, these guys are the classic ball strikers. They've been very yeah. good lately. Keegan, five of the last six tournaments, he's been inside the top 30, including a 10th at the API. Uh, Brandon Steele, he was kind of bad at Valero, but even so, he made the cut. He's made nine cuts in a row, including a third at the Honda Classic, a fourth at the Sony back in January. I just, and, and by the way, if you look at the, the total strokes gain, gained on, on Rick Run Good, I mean, they're in the top 20 there, so they're grading out just fine there. And by the way, just just to know, if you were to if you were to sort that instead of total strokes gain, this is on Rick Run Good, and you did it by T to green, boom, all of a sudden they jumped to seventh. Not surprising, right? Because that takes out putting. So I think the upside is definitely there for those two guys. And and I do want to mention go ahead. 
No, I was I was just going to say you you're absolutely right. They they rank very highly in strokes gained tee to green. And Brendan Steele has actually found a hair of a putter recently. So he has actually gained strokes putting in three consecutive starts. He's gained about 10 or 11 over those, um, you know, 12 rounds or so. So if he can continue that, if they can marry that tee to green stuff, I like where you're headed here. So, yeah. so the, the only other team I want to mention in the 9K range, and I think this is a team that really won't be on a lot of people's radar because they don't really have a lot of PGA tour stats. Tom Lewis does, but not so much Thomas Peters. Thomas Peters and Lewis, I think at 9,200 is super sneaky. They're not going to get a lot of ownership. Maybe they don't yeah. deserve it, but Peters is, has been playing well in Europe. He had in, in on the PGA Tour, he's played well. He's had two top 15s. Granted, those were at the Puerto Rico Open and at Corrales, but over in Europe, he had a top 15 at the Saudi International and a top 15 at the Qatar Masters. So he's in very good form with four top 15s in a row. And Tom Lewis, he's made four cuts in a row. I mean, I think Tom Peters... I think Thomas Peters, really, we thought he was going to be something else. And maybe he'll still achieve that upside that we thought he might have a few years ago. But he's playing really well. And he he can't finish tournaments. But maybe this is the right tournament for him then because he has a Tom Lewis along his side. And maybe that's going to calm his nerves for and, and avoid that bad round. There, there's a lot of guys that can't finish tournaments. I won't hold that against him. Um, the the big the big team we have to talk about, Greg, here is is Rose and Stenson, who Rose makes a lot of noise by going out and going nuts at, in the opening rounds of the Masters, and he ends up finishing seventh. Stenson played better there, but that's kind of a course that, you know, experience matters quite a bit because Stenson's been pretty terrible recently and Rose hasn't been all all that great. But these guys have that magic. They've got they've they're six and two together in Ryder Cups when they when they've played as partners. So I'm, I, I think there's going to be a lot of head scratching at the $9,500 mark when guys get to Rose and Stenson. Yeah, this is, um, it's a cool team. I'm glad this team is together because I'm yeah. very curious to see what they do. Uh, and, and the reasons for that, many of them you just mentioned, you know, they have that Ryder cup connection. What a great tournament here, uh, influence, Padraig Harrington and putting these veterans on the team. That brings up the storyline that Kyle Porter has brought up on many occasions about the Europeans getting caught with some of these veterans that have been so good in the Ryder Cup and they kind of give them one chance too many and they get caught. Um, He's talked about that for, I mean, as long as I've known him now at this point. (laughs) So I'm very interested to see how that turns out. Um, There's not a lot of reason to be going... um, for this team other than their Ryder cup record and maybe the performance at masters. But again, it was such for Justin Rose in particular, it was such a scrambling performance. It, it wasn't great tee to green. It wasn't great. Um, with his irons or off the tee, he was missing a lot to the right. I think he's a little underneath with his golf swing and Her- Henrik Stenson hasn't shown his typical ball striking prowess. So I, I feel like this is a team that you would expect to be great ball strikers and they're not right now. So I worry about it. The, the one question is, is this magic, right? Is something going to come just because these two guys are together and it's going to go great. And that's basic. I mean, it's almost beyond analysis at that point and it's a coin flip. So I lean towards no on them. We're going to talk about because we're going to get down to the cheaper guys and we're going to talk about who can find that magic and all that stuff. But to put this into perspective, Henrik Stenson uh, noted one of the best ball strikers of all time. Currently, 193rd in strokes gain T to green. He's 209th off the T. That is uh, not good, gentlemen. Not good at all. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go down to the 8K range and then we'll keep going. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. 
From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. And we're back. What does a winning, a World Series winning executive do after running a Major League Baseball team for 18 years? Well, they start a podcast. David Sampson hosts Nothing Personal with David Sampson, a daily podcast dedicated to giving you the truth about sports, business, and entertainment. Step inside the front office and really get to know sports. Nothing Personal with David Sampson is available every weekday wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, it's just business. It's nothing personal. I like that. We should have like a snappy, a snappy little thing like that. Like it's not the fairway, but it's not the rough. It's the first cut. Like something. Oh, like, yeah. I don't know. We, a like little tagline. We need a little sub. The first cut podcast. Enter slogan here. I like that. Or like maybe or, you can sing it for us. How about that? I don't mind the first cut. Yeah, that, that is go. our tagline. I don't I don't mind the first cut, which is what we go for, that people don't mind it. Okay, $8,000 range. Dylan Fratelli, Kevin Strillman lead it off. It goes down to Roberto Castro and Cameron Tringale. I was stoked to see it. I, I was looking this up, and I was like, where is Charlie Hoffman? I got to get Charlie Hoffman. He is absolutely perfect for this format. He makes a ton of birdies. He's volatile. It's all good. And then I saw he's playing with Nick Watney, who has missed 12 consecutive cuts. One of my favorite quotes of all time is show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And this is just <laughs> in the embodiment of that, because no offense against Nick Watney. I mean, he, he probably will turn it around at some point, but he has been really, really bad. So I don't really see a scenario where you can roster Charlie Hoffman. I mean, if you want to get into the narrative building, feel free to do that. That's not for me, at least not with this particular duo. So I'm skipping right over them and, and I'm going, I actually don't like this range that much. So I'm going really low in the 8K range. I'm considering Doug Gim and Justin Sub, but I, I kind of want your, you, your and uh, Greg's opinion on that because I'm a little shaky on Justin Sub and I'm wondering if there's a little bit too much hype on him. I mean, the last three PGA events, he's he's not finished higher than 28th. And, that, and by the way, two of those are Puerto Rico and Corrales. Um, last week, he had a Corn Ferry Tour event. He finished 61st and there's plenty of guys in this very tournament that finished really well in that same Corn Ferry Tour event that are a lot cheaper with decent teammates. So I, I understand, you know, ball striking is probably there for those two. I'll, I may roster them. I need you guys to convince me. I'll just mention the, the other team I'm considering is Roberto Castro and Cameron Tringali. That's more Cameron Tringali thing. I don't know if I can come around on Roberto Castro. He's been very inconsistent and high finishes aren't really his thing. But those are the two I'm considering here. The, the Doug Gim Justin Suh is is interesting. That's a comfortable pairing. If you look at the last 50 rounds, they don't have they don't have that many. They don't have that many measured rounds together. So they were working with a smaller, smaller sample size on them, but they are fourth in birdie average. And, and I think birdies are just going to be you got to make a ton of them and you got to kind of get lucky that you're making them at the right time. So, Greg, OK, if if Sia doesn't like this 8K range as much, do you feel differently about it? 
Well, there's a lot of reason to have concern in a range like this. This is the range where you have, um, you know, one leg's longer than the other, right? You feel like there's one guy that's going to get carried throughout the entirety of the tournament. Almost every player in this range that you find interesting, you highlighted Charlie Hoffman. Um, you could also look at a Matt Wallace. You could look at um, uh, Jason Kokrak. They, they all have a guy with them that you have a major question about, but there's probably going to be some great success out of one of these teams because these guys, look, the guys that are bad PGA tour players right now, guys that are struggling on the PGA tour are great players and they can still go out there and make birdies and they can still go out there and contribute. They can put the ball in play. So um, I, I think it's something where you're, you're guessing a little bit on the, the weaker player performing really well. So that being said, I'm very interested in Matt Wallace and Graham McDowell. Matt Wallace has been playing great golf of yeah. late. He was third at the Valero Texas Open, 34th at the Masters and tied 18th last week. So maybe this is too many weeks in a row. That's a possibility, but he's been hitting the ball beautifully. And I am a a big fan of that. Graham McDowell, although there's not really a statistic you'll find of late that you like with Graham McDowell, <laughs> but he's one of the best putters uh, I mean, it's a great putting stroke. I think he's a great putter and I think he could fill it up on greens like this. And I could see him and Matt kind of going out there and having some fun and feeding off of each other a little bit. So that is the, that's the guy who's kind of a wild card for me that I think could really get a spark from Matt Wallace and his um, elite ball striking. Cause it really, it has been elite. The putter is the thing that let yeah. him down. So that's an interesting team to me. Yeah, Wallace has certainly not been um, not been the question mark in that group for sure. He's been he's right. been absolutely awesome. I think the team that most people are going to want to go to Sia is the Scott Brown Kevin Kisner group. You know, they check off the boxes of they're like actually friends off the courts. It's a very comfortable pairing. They're one of I believe only four teams that have played together all three years in this event. They've uh, finished runner up in a playoff. They've finished, I'm, I'm doing this off the top of my head, I believe it's 15th and 5th in the other two, so they are constantly there. Neither of them playing all that well at the moment, but does this, that, we keep saying that word magic, can, can we spark some magic here? Maybe. I mean, this is definitely one of the teams I was considering in the 8K range. I'm not really there yet with them. I mean, I think just from a roster construction standpoint, I'm more comfortable going into the upper 7K range or the low 8K range. But, you know, Scott Brown is one of those guys that I remember back in the day when I was first, you know, betting on 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 golf. You know, he'd be a guy that would just pop in the first round, like he might be a first round leader play for me or something. And he'd have a couple rounds that were really good. You're right. His comfort on this course is significant. So, I mean, and his comfort with Kevin Kisner is significant. I, I don't mind this team at all. I, I'm not sure I'm going to roster them, but I wouldn't I wouldn't tell anybody not to roster them. I'm like a three out of 10 in terms of excitement. I think that it's a, it, this is kind of a weird range. And I think a lot of people are going to yeah. click, click that name. They're those names, Brown and Kisner, whether it's based on the history, whether they like Kevin Kisner, whether whatever it is and whatever their ownership is, I think it's going to be too much. So I'll probably take a pass there, but let's pop on down to that 7K range. And this is where uh, we start. To, if, you, if you thought one leg was longer than the other in the 8K range, Greg, we just got what two short legs here in the 7K range. It starts with Mav McNeely and Joseph Bramlett. It goes all the way down to Tom Hoagie and Bo Hustler. And this is where I start to question how some of these guys even found each other. Yeah. Well, this is the, uh, I'll sign up and I, you can put me with you. You can put me with whoever. I think that's where you get this group, but who knows? These guys are all friends out here. So it, there's definitely that possibility yeah. as well. But I, I think this range 
and price is a big factor here, but I find I can find a little bit more comfort in this range than in past ranges. And I'll start with at I believe seventy five hundred, and it's Matthew Neesmith and Chase Seifert, right? They're the that's the that team is I I believe both legs are the same length, and <laughs> I think they're I, I think they're underpriced, which I haven't found anybody that I thought was underpriced in this range. But so I feel very very comfortable playing these guys for this price. Um, just to give you a little bit of an idea here on what you've seen out of Chase Seifert, you've seen a lot of cuts in a row, uh, five, five cuts made in a row. The last two events haven't been great, but he's had some nice performances. And, um, you know, at the Valero Texas open Sunday was bad and he ended up in 44th at the RBC heritage. He never had that round where he really got it going. Um, but he did come in 42nd there and that followed 18th, um, in Corrales third at the Honda classic and 15th at the Puerto Rico open and chase Seifert's strength is his iron play. And you look at Matthew Neesmith and he is the exact same thing. His strength is iron play. He too, just like Seifert has had a couple of, you know, better than 50th, but not really top five or any finishes that are worth reading off for you here. But he is on the PGA Tour. He's seventh approaching the green this year and 25th tee to green. And I could see that team getting hot and being kind of a, a ma- having a little bit of a magical run this week. Yeah, I had two teams circled in this range, Greg. That was that was one of them. So if you do last 50 rounds again, these are combined averages. Neesmith and Seifert are fourth in this field in strokes gained approach. And I actually think uh, it goes even better than that because Neesmith is a an elite ball striker. He's seventh on tour in strokes gained approach. When you get a guy who is a top 10 player in a very important statistic like that in this range, I love it. And then you throw in Chase Seifert who, yeah, you mentioned it five cuts in a row T three at, at Honda playing well enough to get it done. Um, okay. See ya. Greg hit my one team. Let's see if you can find the other team that I had circled. I'd be shocked because I'm kind of going off the reservation <laughs> here a little bit, it, but is it Sepp Straka and Josh Teeter by any chance? It is not, but is that, oh. is that a team that you like or were you just guessing the team that I liked? <laughs> well, I was hoping it was both, but it's a okay. team that I like. Again, I'm trying to go off the reservation here a little bit. Um, Josh Teeter, he's playing a little bit on the Corn Ferry Tour. He's done fine near the top 25, but on the PGA Tour this calendar year, He's played four tournaments. He's made the cut in all of them. And then you got Sepp Straka, a guy that can get really hot, a ton of yeah. upside. And you might say, okay, well, he's got a low floor too, right? Well, he's made four cuts in a row as well. So I think you actually have a really good mix of guys here at the right price, 7,200. Uh, I think you're getting, I, by the way, agree with Neesmith and Seifert quite a bit. But I also think uh, Sepp Straka and Josh Teeter have similar upside, believe it or not. Can, Rick, can I, can I, can Please. I guess? I have two sure. guesses. I want to yes. see if it's not the first one that I'll default to my second one. Um, I just don't know which one to go with first. I, I don't know if this is a personal pick. So I'm going to save the personal pick for it's second. And I'm going to go personal with pick. Save the personal pick. I'll save uh, the personal pick. I think it's Michael Thompson and Will Gordon. I think it's Maverick no. McNeely and Joseph Bramlin. No, you guys know okay. nothing about All right. me. No. <laughs> no, so, okay. So my second one, now we're getting personal. Doc Redmond and Sam Ryder. <laughs> No, it's not. Ah. No, Doc Redmond. Yeah, that's been tough. Like, I love Doc. I wish him the best. This has not been a good year for him. He just shot 81-71 last week. As as good as Sam Ryder's been, I'm not thrilled about that. No, I'm going, Greg, I'm going with Richie Warinsky and Peter Uline. Wow, I looked at that team. I just, I'm worried about Uline. I'm I'm a little uh, worried about Uline. Uline just won the court yesterday. 
You like? Oh, just that's won right. On the he won fair yesterday here in Vegas. I followed him around on Thursday. He looked great. He won it. He finished runner up three starts before that. You line's playing well right now. He gets your guy, Richie Warinsky, who yeah. has missed three cuts in a row. But uh, I mean, listen, we're we're down in this range. He uh, two of them were like Florida swing events. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna kill him for that. So yeah, this is the team that I was that I was pretty focused on. You got a guy. Coming I gotta I gotta follow the. I gotta do a better job following Corn Ferry Tour um because I should have known that and I like I like Peter Uline I actually I've played with him before and oh, he is oh. he uh, yeah I played um I played around with him at medalist a couple of years back who won and I, I actually <laughs> I, I I played really well and I lost on the first nine by four shots oh, and he, he did Peter Uline did nothing in this round and he just it, the wind's blowing 20 miles an hour and I'm I am doing everything I can to shoot, I think I shot one. Oh, I shot thirty-seven, and I was so I was thrilled about my form. And he did nothing and shot thirty-three, and it was the <laughs> easiest thing. He, the, he made a birdie on nine. He hit this tee. He tried to hit it over the corner, which I've never even thought about taking this line. And he ends up in the trees, and I'm like, wow, I, I could uh, maybe if I make birdie here, I could get really close. I could catch. And he hit this shot out of the trees that I, I I'm confident he cheated because i don't know how he did it he did <laughs> peter you so, line slander here on the he first mu- <laughs> he must have because it was impossible no, but in all seriousness it was just a, it was a crazy shot so he is impressive to watch he's one of those guys that hits it really solid really straight and really far and his um, performance the past couple of years has honestly surprised me. Yeah. And the wins this week or last week in Vegas were no joke. So he had to be flushing it to get it around uh, Paiute in a, in a big way. So yeah, that was the team that I was focused on. Anybody else in this seven K range before we head down to the final range, the little super large six K range. Um, first of all, before I, I, I mention another team, if we could just get a broom to sweep up all the names Greg keeps dropping, that would be great. <laughs> oh, another another set of names that I think is decent here is, and it depends on how you feel about Will Gordon, but Michael Thompson and Will Gordon, I think, is is a rosterable team. They won't be okay, high I agree. on my list, but but I do like them. All right. They were so, one of the names that they've been swept up because they were one of the names I mentioned and I, it's easy <laughs> to lose track, but I think you're right. Cause Thompson's been playing well and, um, and Will Gordon had probably, I mean, he's got to have some pretty high upside. So I, I think that's a rosterable team too. The, before we get down to the six K range, there's a lot of names there. And I think we're already in the point where I think gentlemen, this, this format breeds a bit of, of volatility. And I think we have to embrace it. I mean, to put this in very simple terms, Sia, like imagine you and your partner going out and each making six birdies in the best ball format. Like you could make six birdies each and be six under if you make them all on the same hole, or you could make six birdies each and you could be 12 under if you make them on separate holes. And there's a little bit of luck to that. So I think that as we're down here in the 7k 6k range i'm not really shying away from guys all that much i'm kind of embracing it more just because of the nature of this event yeah and ultimately i'm looking for guys that are going to potentially make the cut so i'm looking for some level of consistency um, which of course you're not really going to get in the 6k range but you know you're picking among the teams that at least have been a little bit more consistent with maybe a touch of upside versus the other teams in the 6k range a couple teams that i'm focused on one is more of a dart throw 
Scott Piercy and Akshay Batia. I, I just I've seen Akshay Batia shine. Usually it's for one or two rounds, but in, and Scott Piercy hasn't been terrible lately. I um, he's missing cuts. He's making he's making cuts. He's not really finishing high. But again, in this range, I'm looking for a little bit of upside. I think you might have it there. I might have a couple bucks on them as first round leader with like Keegan Bradley and Brandon Steele. Side note there. Uh, the other team, the only other team I really like so far is a Roger Sloan and Aaron Baddeley. I mean, Sloan has actually been really good. He had a missed cut at the Valero, but three top 25s before that. And Aaron Baddeley, he's been doing some Corn Ferry Tour stuff and some PGA Tour stuff. And, you know, he's made two PGA Tour cuts in a row. And on the Corn Ferry Tour, I mean, he's been pretty good. In fact, last week at the same tournament you're talking about with Peter Uline, he finished fifth, which just from a comparison standpoint, Justin Suh finished 61st. And we know Peter Uline finished first. So, I mean, again, that's just one week. But I do think Aaron Baddeley is, I mean, we've seen him on the PGA Tour be successful before. So I like that team. Uh, Roger Sloan is actually much better than I thought in terms of these metrics here. He doesn't have as many rounds as other guys, but he's 42nd tee to green. He's 31st in approach. I would have never, you could have given me a thousand guesses. I probably wouldn't have gotten there. Greg, $6,000 range. These are very much guys that um, could have been randomly put together. I mean, literally Matt Every's partner, Tyler McCumber withdrew. So they slapped him with, with Charlie Beljohn, Beljohn. Like, like, listen, it's, I don't know if these guys meant to get together, but here we are. All right. So, um, I got two teams that I'm very reluctantly interested in, but I kind of like it. So Austin cook and Andrew Landry to me, these are two guys that I confuse from time to time. They are <laughs> ultimate poppers. You will not see good form recently, but they're guys that have contended and won on the PGA tour before. And if, I mean, if lightning strikes twice and they both get hot in the same week, you could have a really interesting team. Um, but I think it's unlikely, but that is the definition of embracing the volatility. The next team, and I have a question to go along with this and, and they kind of stick out to me. I, I, I feel like this could be a, a, another really volatile team and it's J, uh, James Hahn and Martin trainer who kind of have my interest. I mean, James Hahn was, is not too far removed from some really good form where he was 15th at the Genesis. He was 10th at waste management, um, withdrew from the Honda classic after a 66 in the first round, which is where the question comes into play, right? Is, is James Hahn healthy enough to compete? Um, and then Martin Trainer, on the other hand, has not been very exciting, but 73-73 at the RBC Heritage to miss the cut. Not, you know, uh, it, he's not shooting 81, but at the same time, he's missing the cut. Then 44th at the Valero Texas Open and just kind of some boring rounds of golf. But maybe there's a, a chance he gets it going this week. I will say this for Martin Trainer: uh, Before the Heritage, he had made two cuts in a row, which was the first time he had done that since um, March of 2019. So yeah. maybe a bit, yeah. maybe well, a bit of a turnaround yeah, for Mr. Maybe. Trainer. We'll Look, see. there's 6,300, that team's 6,300. You're guessing at some point here. And I'm, I'm wondering if Han maybe is a little underpriced because of the WD. Um, maybe that's injury. It's probably for a reason, but they kind of have a little bit of interest for me. There was another team that I liked here. Uh, oh, I think it was it was David Hearn, Seamus Power. Power, again, played well. I think he finished top five uh, last week in Vegas on the Corn Ferry. I watched him for a bit. He is slow beyond my all belief, uh, but he absolutely stripes it. Oh, my God, this guy. I You would have thought. It, it, I've never seen anybody play any slower. Uh, with David Hearn, who's actually had a good run here. Not uh, these, guys have, these guys have played together at this event. 
I wish I had this handy. I would have been a good host if I had this handy. But these guys have played together in the past, and they've played well. I'll pull that up uh, before we get out David of here. David Hearn has some good putting numbers, too. I think he's top 10 on the tour in strokes he's, game putting. He's a great putter, which is always handy in these formats. So, see, is there anybody else here in this 10K, or excuse me, 6K range that we should be considering? I mean, I'm, I'm in complete dart throw territory here, but a few names I wrote down because my research said, hey, maybe you want to have one share of these guys. Ben Martin, Chesson Hadley, uh, Mark Hubbard, Sebastian Kaplan, and Bovan Pelton, Luke List. Uh, of those three, I think the only one I really like um, in terms of maybe rostering is Bovan Pelt and Luke List. Greg, anybody else as well? You love Luke List, see ya. <laughs> no, I've got enough dart throws out there. I, I don't, I mean, the the thing, uh, you get blamed for these things, right? And somebody's going to tweet at me and say, hey, can, <laughs> hey, can I blame the real GFD for this pick? And I understand it and I embrace it and I love it. But uh, I, I mean, throwing another name out there, it just, it's more work for whoever's sweeping these names up. <laughs> right, see ya? Thank you for extending that analogy. I do. Yeah. Appreciate <laughs> like, yeah, let's, let's let it roll. <laughs> David Hearn and Seamus Power uh, at least they finished T10 together in 2018. I feel like they played together another time, but I couldn't find it. I don't, I don't know where that stat went, but they did play together. They did finish in the top 10 here. All right, um, I like it. Gentlemen, any closing thoughts before we get out of here? I mean, we've got a, this is, this is our one opportunity. I, I like Greg. I really like the alternate shot, right? Like that to me where a, a guy can put another guy like, like we, this is there, this is nothing but an individual sport. And when you have to play another guy's ball from wherever it lands, like that to me gets me all fired up. Yeah, it's exciting. Um, and, and it applies a new pressure at the same time. It relieves pressure from some guys. So by the time we get to, and, and it's great how they do it on the Friday round, cut day, and the Sunday round, where it's your time to win. Um, I think it'll make it much more interesting for the viewer when we're watching on Sunday uh, and on Friday night. Watching alternate shot, you it, it's easier. It's more similar to what we see week to week, where there's one ball in play for each team. So I think that's a, an exciting element. Um, um, and it also, it, it really highlights the strategy where when you have Matthew Wolf and Colin Morikawa playing together, they're both playing their own ball side by side, comparing scores. There's, there's much less team chemistry that's needed. The only thing you need is, well, don't birdie the same holes and don't bogey the same holes. Let's, uh, yeah. let's ham and egg it a little bit. Alternate shots, not that way. We have to work together as a team. We have to pick what T we're going to, if we're going to tee off on odd holes or even holes. Um, how does all that strategy play out? The team element is highlighted in the uh, in the four sums much more. Absolutely is. Uh, I was able to vamp long enough. T5 for Seamus Power and David Hearn in 2019. T10 in 2018. I was going to find that before we got out of here. Sia Najad, thank you very much as always. You can find Sia on Twitter at Sia Najad. You can find Greg Ducharme on Twitter at The Real GFD. Producer Jacob does all the hard work behind the scenes. So thank you very much, Jacob. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. And we'll catch you next time.